Welcome again to another episode of the Ryan and Stacy Show. I'm, of course, Ryan and Stacy. It has been a very, I wouldn't say it's been, it's been very slow. I mean, uh, my landlord was like, you know, uh, so, so here's what happened. Um, I ended up doing work exchange at, at the complex I stay in, right? So they took some money off my rent. And I was like, well, this is a great, uh, a great trade-off for me because I do have a day job. And I was like, so I was like, okay, all I do is what? Sit outside, sit on the porch, sit on the porch for three hours and then just go back, go back inside my building and go back to sleep. All right, cool. That's a great thing. That, so that's what I've been doing for the like the last week and a half, which has been dope. It's been dope. It's been dope. But I know you've been busy during the, uh, I know you've been busy throughout this month because we're back in the college football in the uh, in the college football season. How that's been going. Um Stacy is not with us. All right. All right, darn. Okay, welcome again to another episode of the Ryan and Stacy show. Stacy, how you been doing? I'm doing okay. How about you? I, I, well, I've seen better days. I, I explained it in the opening that I have started to, I've mentally checked out from the same season. Uh-oh. Which is, Too early for that. It's just game one, number four coming up? Yeah, but it's like, Jameis is hurt. Jameis is hurt. And he should not be starting. And the problem is, the problem is that with all of this going, everybody is assuming that the Saint fans are giving up on Jameis. And I'm like, this is not the case. This is not the case. People want him to heal up and play and, and, and come back healthy. What people don't realize is that the Saints got, the Saints are playing 13 straight games. They don't. They don't get it. We don't get a buy until the fourteenth week. For, we're we're gonna. We don't get a buy until the fourteenth week. So basically, the end of the season. Yeah, and I don't know why when they went to seventeen games, what should have happened? Okay, if your team is playing in London, you should have, have the week before off. You should have the week before off because they had the Saints had to get on the plane to go to London right after the game. So that means they had to fly from they flew from Charlotte to New, uh, to London right after the game. And I feel like what should have happened, and I know it's early in the season, they should have gave they should have given the Saints and the Vikings this week off to let them heal up because you got a long ass flight across the ocean to London and these guys are nicked in, in everything they just finished playing a game you know a, a game for like two hours so then you gotta go through TSA you gotta go through all this shit and guess what happened 
you're gonna, you know, your body is not, you know, your body needs rest. And that's me, what I think. Let me ask you this. Do you think a week is going to help Jamis? Because from what I've hearing, he needs to like sit for a while. He needs to pull a yes. and He needs to sit for, he needs to sit for a while. I don't think a week would change anything. If you let him sit three to four weeks, we have a reliable backup in the Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is not a bad quarterback. That's what people don't get. I, I, I mean, I don't understand. And, and, and I, get, I get that you want to be competitive. I get that you want to be tough. But, dude, you got four fractured, back, four fractured vertebrae in your back. That's terrible. That's, that's not good. You know, I have, I have a 15-inch curve in my back. Okay? I have, like, the scary thing when, when they told me this, the scariest thing was they, the thing that they brought up was wheelchair, that I would be in a wheelchair. Wow. No, no, like within maybe 10 years. This was in 2013 when they told me this. No one ever told me I had a scoliosis. And it scared the hell out of me. My uncle has scoliosis. My uncle Charles has it. He's not the Uncle Charles from the Crossroads song, is he? <laughs> My Uncle Charles has had it all his life. And and he's and he's done okay, right? Uh Stacey, are you still there? Stacey? Yeah. I'm still oh, here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought I thought for sure I thought you had dropped. No, I mean it scared the hell out of me. I was like, I learned this when I was like 26. So I was like, okay, so you're saying that I'm gonna be in a wheel. Like it was a scary and stuff, but then I just kind of went through the whole thing. I said, look, I play basketball sometimes, I play baseball. I do know I have back problems sometimes. I sometimes my back do be hurting. So I have to always work. I always have to like sit in something that has cushion in it. But for the most part, I've lived a pretty normal life with with scoliosis. Um, I just never, it never went in the back of my mind, being like, "Oh shit, I have, I have this disease, this this back problem." But in the case of Jameis, he should he shouldn't be playing. He shouldn't be playing. They sat him out of practice today. And I also think that Dennis Allen is lying his ass off. About what? About about the severity of about the quarterback situation. Well, and it's no different. I don't keep up with the Saints that much, but I was like, I thought y'all had didn't y'all sign Tyson Hill? Yeah, Tyson Hill, but Tyson Hill's not a quarterback. He's not a quarterback. He's a tight end, but he's he he got this wacky ass deal. For $140 million. And the thing was, Stacy, Sean Payton was not prepared for the end of Drew Brees. He was not prepared. It's not like with Bill Belichick, where Bill Belichick drafted Mac Jones. And Mac Jones has the capability, and Mac Jones has the, uh, the capacity to be, to, ha- to be, 
a really good quarterback. He's gonna, he's definitely gonna be a a, a, a rising star among quarterbacks in this league. It wasn't like what Bill Belichick did. Sean Payton drafted one year Garrett Grayson. Garrett Grayson is selling is basically selling insurance in Middle Tennessee. He one time he drafted Ian Book. I was at the game when they played the Dolphins. Ian Book looked like me out there playing quarterback. And while in while the defense is really good, when you it doesn't mean shit if your offense can't move the fucking football. And we could not move the football. Well, if that's, that's the problem, you know. And, and that's the thing. It's like, it's basically reminiscent of what happened with the Dome Patrol. The Dome Patrol, if you want to talk about the similarities to the Dome, the Dome Patrol, when they had Sam Mills, Pat Willing, Ricky Jackson, they could not, they had really good teams, but they could not move the football. When you don't have a good deep, when you don't have a good offense, Having a good defense does not mean shit if you don't move the football. The Baltimore Ravens in 2000, they could move the football. They could move the football. They, it may not have been, you know, uh, like what you saw with, you know, with the Colts, but they had a capable quarterback that was able to move the football. You have some pieces there. That's the thing that we don't have. We don't have a capable, healthy quarterback. I'm sorry. I love Jameis, but he is not healthy. His ass shouldn't be in the game. And I just, like, now... But what now say, let me say this. What does it say about the Saints that they don't trust Andy Dalton enough to take his place? Because speaking as a Cowboys fan, you know Andy Dalton was our backup. Where, yeah, and he was really, and he and he, he was, was uh he was, he was he was okay. I think honestly, Cooper Rush is better than him right now, and I think that's exactly why they cut Andy Dalton and said, okay, we better take our chances with, with Cooper Cooper Rush a few years ago, because I mean he's he's okay, and I think you need more than okay on the Saints team because Andy Dalton is serviceable, but you need somebody that's actually going to win you ball games, and I don't think. I think if the Saints honestly thought Andy Dalton was that man, he'd be playing right now. I, I, I think so, too. I think that's the thing. Maybe, I mean, we're not in those practices, so we don't know what, what goes on in those practices. He did practice with the ones today. Uh, he did practice with the ones. He didn't practice with the twos. He practiced with the ones. So that being said, I am not holding out any hope until Friday. Now, now in my in my in my case, I'm now learn, trying to figure out what do people in New Orleans that don't like football do on Sundays? Like I wonder how do those people live? Like I never like I always thought people that didn't I always thought that people that didn't like football were weird people. I really do. I mean I same way with people that don't like sports. Like it's it's sort of like with people that don't watch sports. It's like Oh my God! You guys really live really boring lives. I, I remember people. I totally agree. I'm like, how do people deal with not watching sports? 
I don't understand. I mean, I never did either. I mean, I never did either. Never did. However, shifting over to Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey is just fucking frustrating, Stacey. Like, Coach O was frustrating, but he wasn't. I'll put it this way, Stacey. Kim, Coach O was frustrating. But Coach O, compared to Coach O and compared to Kim Mulkey, it's like, it's not the same. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to go into this. Kramer Robertson and I um, had talk, had a conversation about our moms. Uh, my mom just retired from the University of Memphis after 34 years. His mom went from Baylor to LSU. My mom and her are close in age. My mom is 65. She just turned 60 this year. And I don't want to go after his mom, okay? Because I know that's his mom and he loves her, okay? I'm not going to sit here and say she's a bad mom, Stacey. I'm not. What I will say is that her and my mom are just the same. They do things or they say things that leave everyone scratching their heads. And then you, then either myself, well, me mainly, have to pick up the pieces and clean everything up. Kim Mulkey could not do the... Um, Kim Mulkey could not do the bare fucking minimum and say thoughts and prayers are with Brittany Griner. Instead, she declines comment. And I thought about this today. And I thought about people that were Baylor fans, that are Baylor fans. They got to have, there's got to be somewhere along the line where the people that rooted for Baylor when she was at Baylor, Kim Mulkey, that is, they have to, they probably are breathing a sigh of relief today because she's no longer their headache. Kim Mulkey cannot do the bare minimum. Kim Mulkey is one of the greatest coaches in the history of women's college basketball. Kim Mulkey, the person, is just as bad as my own mom. And that's kind of hard for, that's kind of, I know that's kind of fucked up to say, but like I've seen where my mom either cussed somebody out, she cussed somebody out in a, uh, I, I, tell, I bring up two stories that happened. One was in Gulfport, Mississippi at the Grand Casino. She ended up, I kid you not, I kid you not, Stacy. My mom cussed out somebody in the Grand Casino in Gulfport, Mississippi, and basically got banned from the casino. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My mom, what, years ago, one time, my mom cussed this dude. She kind of got pissed off. She got pissed off at a, um, a white guy that told her to, to, to keep it down because she was on the cell phone in a library. And you know, in the library, they give you 
you have like, there are certain places you can go in the library where you can use your phone at. Most of the time, if I'm in the library, I'll just go outside and use my phone. In this case, my mom is at the computer. I'm helping her with something. This white redneck dude come up to her. He was respectful and everything and told my mom, ma'am, could you keep it down? Could you use your cell phone somewhere else? My mom looked at him like she just got called an N-word. And I remember Martel Hickson, uh, this guy I knew, he worked at the library. And I literally went, went over to him. I said, dog, I'm completely embarrassed. And how do I tell my mom that she's in the wrong? Because she's not going to want to listen to me. And I'm pretty sure Kramer Robinson has those thoughts when he ha when people tell him stuff that his mom says. Like, how do you navigate that? And it goes back to this thing that we talked about with the Duke stuff, that when you're a coach, you're not just a coach of X's and O's, you're a coach in life, you're a teacher. Kim Mulkey is a great basketball teacher. Kim Mulkey is a horrible teacher of life. She's a horrible teacher of life. And that's, that's just telling it like it is. Well, I, you know, I look, I remember interviewing Brittany Grinder when she was in high school. At the time, I was freelancing for um, uh, 24-7 Sports at the time. And she was a good kid, seemed like a good kid. And then, you, you know, you hear stuff about her in college, about her sexuality, all this stuff. But when you hear stuff about Kim Mulkey, and you hear that she told basically her basketball players to hide their sexuality. And then she comes out, I mean, and all she had to do was offer her thoughts and prayers, like you said, or we're thinking about her, something. And for her to not say anything, she's a disgusting human being. I, I just, I don't like her. I hope she has zero success at LSU. I'm sorry. Fuck her. Because I, like I said, she, she, like I said, she would not have her national championship. I think she won two. Mm -hmm. She won in uh, 2005 and then she won in 2012. Well, she won. I know the first one she won with Britain. And the fact that she won't even sit there and offer her condolences or something to Britney, fuck her. Like, that's just cruel. And then sat there and told this child, and I call her a child because she's much younger than me. She told, you know, told uh, this child to hide her sexuality. And then, like I said, she full MAGA. I mean, if you read her stuff, She's full on MAGA. And let me say this as somebody who went, who went to Alabama, I'm fully aware that my coach, my basketball coach, Nate Oates, I pretty much feel like he's a MAGA person, but he's smart enough to keep his politics to himself. Unlike this woman and Bruce Pearl at Auburn and I think Harson at Auburn too. They want to be a full out MAGA and Trump supporters and all this shit. But anyway, I digress. She's wrong for that. And I'm sorry. I hope she's had zero success at LSU and I hope that at some point they fire her ass because she doesn't deserve to be. I don't, I would, for me personally, if I had a daughter, I would never let that bitch. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna call her a bitch. I'm, I'm I don't, bitch. look, you, 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 it's, it's like I you're, I'm not. Let that bitch coach my kid. This is somebody. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. I wouldn't let her. I wouldn't let her. 
because she's not a, she doesn't come off as a good person she would have never won she basically Brittany Brittany Griner helped her build Baylor because nobody knew Baylor but I don't think they ever wanted uh uh Vince the fun for anything like that before uh, I mean they went they 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 got like three they won she won three national titles at Baylor oh she did and yeah, yeah. uh Camp Kim Mulkey won three but her son told me her son is a super awesome person and he told me basically, you know, when he got, when they got there, Baylor women's basketball was nothing. You know, they were, they were nothing, you know, they were literally nothing. And he told me, he told me that, you know, he told me that. And, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, the thing is, um, <laughs> when, when I think of when, when, when we were talking about this stuff, you know, it's sort of like how, again, how my mom is, like how my mom is, like my mom, when I told you what happened with me after Ida, when Ida happened, my mom cusses me out on, on Facebook. And I was so upset and everybody was like, well, yeah, this is your mom. You need to call your mom. People always say this. My aunt tells me this. My dad tells me this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm good on that. You know why? Because you can't go around treating people like dog shit. And you can't view people as transactional. And that's what Kim Mulkey, that's what Kim Mulkey, she views those players. And I'm going I'm to uh, go to a quote. And this is what I did not know. That Brittany Griner's jersey isn't retired by Baylor. Um... Her um, her um, her jersey number, uh, her jersey number is not retired by Baylor. That's crazy. And yeah, and and that's kind of like that's crazy because when you think of when you think of Baylor bath when you think when I think of Baylor, when I think of Baylor, and 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 I'm just gonna give an example of what Nikki Collins said. Uh, Nikki uh, Colleen Collins said. Uh, Nikki Collin had talked about basically that she wants she offering their prayers, her prayers to um, to Brittany Grant, and she wants to get them back home, get her back home, and everything. And she said, you know, this is a human. She was like, I think of, I think BJ first of all is human first. I think this is a human rights issue no one is saying that she didn't make a mistake but i guess i would want to know if i did something and i was stuck in a foreign country what it was what it wasn't i think we all know that 10 years is a long time i see her as a mother i see her as a sister as a spouse as a daughter as an unbelievable ambassador for the game of basketball but i just like i said like i said that, 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 that's not stop that's, before i go any further Think about this. This woman didn't even coach Brittany Griner. This woman didn't even coach Brittany Griner. And she had the forewithal to understand Brittany Griner's importance to the, to the program at Baylor. Just think about that for a second. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. That's what makes me pissed off is that I feel like Kim Mulkey used Brittany Griner, and that's exactly why I'm pissed off about it, is that I felt like she used her. 
she got her championship and now it's like well fuck you it's like this is a, i mean i remember and chris moeller who works for saturday down south made some kind of comment about Brittany, you know when she's over in jail something about her being in an abusive relationship with her with a wife and all this stuff and i remember that and no i don't agree with abuse let me first say that first off but i'm like we're not t- i mean what does that have to do with the fact that she is stuck in a russian jail Probably, I would damn say near for life, if they can't get her back, Putin is not going to send her back because he's an evil motherfucker. And how she got there and all this other stuff, which I think the marijuana she was using or whatever was for medical purpose or whatever, I think I heard that right. But either way it goes, she's over there for bullshit. And people are like, oh, well, fuck her. She did it to herself. And that's exactly how I feel that Kim Mocha is basically saying is that, well, you know, she did it to herself. You can, even if you don't agree with it, you can at least have enough heart to say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, this is happening to her. We wish her the best. You didn't even have to offer prayers, but the fact that she's doing, like I said, I personally, and if I'm recruiting against her, I would sit there and say, well, you know this is what she said. You know she didn't say nothing about Brittany Griner. You know if you're gay, she don't like you. She ain't going to let you be yourself. I would use that against her recruiting because, like I said, I wouldn't let my child go play with her. I think she's going... With all this stuff now, she may or may not. I mean, black people are weird about certain things, and we know what they are. But uh, I wouldn't let my child go play with her. Mm-mm. I mean, even if it wasn't even to take the sexuality thing out of it, just the fact that she is the way she's done, Brittany, I would never let my child play for her. Never. I, I'm the same way too. It's like I'm like I'm the same way because I view a coach not just as a coach uh, in terms of sports strategy but also a coach in the game of life because i'm t- you tell me if pat summit would do, have done so, pat oh, summit wouldn't have, wouldn't have done pat, that pat no. summit wouldn't have done it uh gino ariyama wouldn't have done that um i don't think i don't think even gary blair who i thought was just some redneck dude from arkansas gary blair wouldn't have done it i don't think anybody nope. with a heart would have done that but the thing that pissed me off so much about the um the 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 uh the Brittany Griner thing was this dude has said on 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 Twitter he was like it's this black dude he said Brittany Griner should have stayed her dumb ass home by girl mm-hmm. and this was not some this was not some some white guy saying it it was a black dude that said it he was like, she should have stayed her dumb ass at home. But so, you know, it was some comedian, and I forgot his name, but he's like a famous comedian. I think he's on Wild and Out, was making jokes about Britney's father. So, yeah, around the same time, calling her dude, say, oh, yeah, she's a, she, she's a dude, she'll be all right. And I was like, this dude, do you not realize these Russians could kill her ass? This is not a joke. You, this is not time to make fun of her sexuality or it's just the way, again, this goes back to my argument. That I had art earlier that uh, that goes into another topic about respecting black women and how we are disrespected so much, especially amongst our own. It pisses me off. She doesn't deserve this, man. She didn't, like I said, she didn't kill anybody. She wasn't spying. She had weed in her purse or whatever it was. She was. I mean, and, 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 and in fairness, oh. in fairness, I'm like, I do believe, yes, she should have known the rules. But I'm 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 also in the in the camp in the camp in the camp of this. You tell me if this had been 
let's just say Ja Morant. If this had been Ja Morant, everybody would have been all outraged. No one would have said, oh, Ja Morant's a dumbass. Right, right. But because this is a black woman who happens to be gay, then we're we're having this discussion. And 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 I think the other thing is, and, and this also is tied up to the uh, the Malik, the Malika Andrews stuff. And I didn't even know there was an outrage, there was outrage over this. That Stephen A found a way to put try to put Malika Andrews in her place yep. and try to but I guarantee you, he would have never done that to Rachel Nichols. He would have never did that to Doris Burke. And it's like I think, at the same, at I, I think, and honestly, I truly believe this. We're we, us black men. We we we're our own hindrance to black women. We really are. And it's like you know, everybody's like, well. You know, Malika uh, Andrews is dating a white dude and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? Right. What does this have to do with anything? The stuff that happened with the Celtics, which is what we're talking about now. And I think, honestly, the Boston coach, his ass needs to be fired. Like, you cheated on me alone. So How you, it, what further, you know, you know I'm pissed off about this, but she didn't even know. Like, she didn't know. She done packed her shit. They said this heifer, the one he was having an affair with, done packed me along shit to move her to Boston, knowing she's sleeping with her man. What kind of shit is that? That's just a and he, downstairs. And, and and it's like it's a downgrade, Stacy. He didn't even. She don't even. If whoever this chick is, they even looked. She wasn't even good looking. That but that's even my, good. it's Neil like you cheat like, up. Neil Long is like my age and looks fat. I mean, most of the men that I've seen online on at least in my timeline, they like, what the hell was he thinking? Like, like I said today, I was talking, I was just going off about this whole Malika Andrews and this other stuff. I said, I'm pissed off of Neil Long because this man basically wasted 10 years of her life, wasted her time, and knowing he probably been because you know it's more than one person, it ain't just this girl, he been with other women. And he fixing to fuck up, lose his job because he couldn't keep his penis in his pants. Dumb stuff. And I'm just like, why do you do? But you're supposed like, to cheat up. You, it's an upgrade. I, I, like I, I it's said, like going from. I said that I said if you're gonna cheat, you you cheat with somebody. Well, he did. She did. She was married, and, they, and I bet you when people's like, well, who told who told it? I bet you the husband told it. The husband probably like, you know, my wife said that cheating with the Boston Celtics because they wasn't gonna. I had an argument with this guy last week, convinced that what's well, nobody's business. It really probably isn't, but the thing about it is, it was going to come out. Somebody was going to start talking. And oh yeah, somebody was going to definitely start talking. And I think also, it. but but the thing that I think that was more sobering was that everybody tried to like target every woman that yep. works with the Celtics. And I'm like, okay, this here is making it. This right here is why. It's so hard. Like when you sell, when we celebrate women who become first, the first woman to be general manager or uh, in, in the major leagues or in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, in NBA, et cetera, it's such a big accomplishment because 
it goes back to what my friends Jesse said when Kamala Harris got nominated, when, when she got inaugurated as vice president. She said, you know who needs to see this? Little boys need to see this. Because a woman in power is no big deal. And the same thing should be said about a woman being working for a team in the NBA. It shouldn't be a big deal. But the problem is, the problem is the same shit that Kamala Harris gets, Malik Andrews got, that fine-ass woman that works for the Celtics, she got those things. But I also wonder how this would have looked if this was Becky Hammond having an affair with a dude that worked for the Las Vegas Aces. I, you know, it's a good question. I, but I said this earlier. I said that's what I'm saying as a black woman speaking from my point of view is I feel like we are the most disrespected woman on the planet, that we aren't respected. That's why I was saying I understand why Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. A lot, most of us did. Most black people got it. You know, I got people, it. I, I, I got, it. got it. Yeah, you, you're, you're protecting your wife. That's your wife. He disrespected your wife. You're protecting your wife. And a lot of times, and, and you know this, and I appreciate you as a man because that's why I say a lot of black men, I didn't say all black men. I, I want, and I clarified, I did not say all black men, but too many black men sit up there and, and think it's okay to disrespect black women and treat us like dirt and drag us for no reason. And as a black woman, it disappoints me to see that because I, I'm, not, it, it, I'm not saying black women are perfect. I'm far from it. Right. I'm just saying that I, I, the disrespect that we receive, like Stephen A. Smith, that shit was misogynistic. Totally, 100%. It was misogynistic. He was wrong. This woman was expressing her opinion, but because, and I see how he treats Molly. I don't like how he does her, even if it's kind of out of fun and all that. I don't like that misogynistic shit. She puts up with it, I guess, but why aren't the people that, because he's going to fuck up, and it's it just a matter of time, he's going to really overstep the line with somebody, and he's going to get his ass fired or suspended from that job, because he, he thinks too much of himself. He's too fucking arrogant. And I don't, like I said, it's one of the reasons I try to like Stephen A, but he's such a prick that he makes it hard for us to like him. Makes, makes it hard for me. I, I actually had a chance when they did the All-Star game in New Orleans. Here in New Orleans, there's a Jack's Brewery, which is downtown. It's in the quarter. There's a room called the Riverview Room. The Riverview Room is like this private room. And they had, uh, I got up at like 4.30 in the morning. 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock. I was up like a crackhead. <laughs> so I went to the taping of First Take. So it's Stephen A. Max was still there. It was Stephen A's, Max, and Molly. Molly, I think, just got there. Because remember, it was Kari Champion. Kari was there, and then it was, and then it became Molly. So we all in this big room. The Riverview room is like where they have these private parties and stuff at. And uh, so what ends up happening, what ends up happening, it was this dude that was a Cowboys fan. He is there, um, he is there for, um, um, he's like a production, he's like something. I think he was like a production assistant or whatever. Stephen A, before the taping, starts talking shit to him about his Cowboys. 
And this was, I think, the year. This was the year that uh, the, I think y'all went to the playoffs. This was the year y'all had gone to the playoffs with Dak. The first year y'all went to the playoffs with Dak. And he was just like talking. He was just like being a fucking prick to this dude that was like a, a production assistant. And it's like everybody is like, well, Malik, uh, Malik. Malika Andrews doesn't, you know, nobody takes her seriously and, and all these things. But I'm like, you know something? Here's the thing. Stephen A would have not done that to Rachel Nichols or Doris Burke. The no. same way that Chris Rock would have never made that joke about Demi Moore, who looked found she looked so damn good with a bald head. I swear. <laughs> Same way with Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake, when she was bald, I came to I, I was like, Lord, I come to your I come to your throne humbly. As a man of God, I come to your throne humbly. I have a bunking problem, Stacy. I've been in rehab for about three months about this. Sure. But back to the thing. I, I I have a bunking problem. I have a bunking problem. I had to apologize to a woman saying that I had actually I had basically thirsty after this woman who was eating a pretzel, Stacy. And I told her, I say, look, I apologize for, you for saying that I wanted to be a pretzel. Okay, I flew too close to the sun, the sun. But no, but but back to what we were talking about. Chris Rock made that joke about Will Smith's wife because he knew that he was not going to get any kind of backlash. Stephen A went after Malik, uh, Malinka Andrews because he knew he was never going to get no backlash. He knows this. But had those been white women, different story. Different story. Well, I mean, but it was quite obvious, like with Maria Taylor, like the Rachel Nichols thing disrespected. She disrespected Maria Taylor because Maria Taylor had moved up and moved past her ass. She had, well, she was doing SEC Network and doing that she's doing a side live for espn and then she's doing nba so she was doing all yeah this. nichols wasn't doing nothing but nba and, and, and the that. thing and, and the thing and, and the thing about it was rachel nichols didn't lie however she could have but 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 with the other comment the other part the most important word in the dictionary is but she didn't lie about the diversity at espn but she did, but where she fucked up at was sounding like like jealous, like she was bitter. Oh, bitter was that Marie. You know she was bitter. She hell yeah, she was she bitter. She was bitter because it's hard to imagine. She damn near 50. So it's like there's a certain level, there's a thing when you get to like 50 and you kind of like in so many words age out of being on being on a panel or something of that nature. Um, and I think that's where that's where she fucked up at. But the thing about it is, since I was like, since we all on this thing about diversity and shit, let's talk about how every black woman or woman of color they have to pass a brown paper bag test. Yeah. Because Cassidy, like, they have to pass the because Cassie Hubbard, she she Asian American, she Asian American, but she looked, but she white passing. You get what I'm saying? Like, right. let's well, you, talk about I the, the brown paper bag. The whiter, 
white adjacent because I was we were talking about Khloe Kardashian dating this good looking Italian man, and then somebody said, oh well he's not white. Uh, okay, he's not white. He's white adjacent. If we don't want to call Italians white, then let's call it white adjacent. Then. So that, that's that's gonna be my new word. If you don't want if you're Italian and don't want to call yourself white, you just call yourself Italian. I'm gonna call you well you white adjacent. The same thing I feel about Asian Americans. You may not yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. It, so you're white adjacent. So as long as you're white, it's like, you're white or white adjacent, you're acceptable more than we are. It's the thing that I think that a lot of people don't realize. I say, okay, since we on this subject about, since we on this subject, and I remember, and I don't know if you ever heard me say this. And I said, if we on this subject, let's talk about the brown paper bag test with the ESPN sideline reporters. Yeah. There are women. I was like, let's talk about that. I, I always tell people this stuff. And I, I said, this is the thing that I, as I get there, as I've gotten older, I learned how to listen to women, which a lot of people just see what they, they see what they see on, the, on, on Twitter. They see what they see on Twitter and they're like, oh, this is really how what Brian really thinks. Yeah, on Twitter, but all in all, when I when I have conversations with you, uh, Rach, uh, my homegirl Rach, like my homegirl Rach is like one of the smartest people I know, and we talked about the stuff that Stephen A. Smith did. And I say, here's the thing: he would never have done. He he knew who he knew who to target. Yep. He knew who to fucking target. And and, and that's the th- that's the thing. It pisses me off too is that so many black men were just like, yeah. She needs to. Sh- somebody told me, and I don't know if you saw this tweet earlier. Somebody told me that she needs to shut up. And I and you know, and I said, see, this is the issue. I said, this is why so many black men are losing to out to other men, or other men of different races, or either black women are staying alone because of this kind of stuff. Because y'all don't care. And he said, he said, oh, well, black men date white women, yeah. And I said, you, it's not the flex that you think it is, though. He said, well. It, yeah, we just don't care. He flat out admitted. I said, thank you. That's the point. I said, you don't care. And I said, it's like, the, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's sort of like what you saw. It's sort of like what you saw with Stacey Abrams. And I had conversations with people that stayed in Georgia, uh, white and black. Um, uh, Rach, um, who is, uh, who was dating one of Scotty Pippen's uh, sons, is a white woman. And I told her this privately. I said, you tell me if Stacey Abrams' name was Stephen Abrams, she would be up ahead over Brian Kemp. But because this is a black woman, it's an ego hit. Having her running for governor is an ego hit to some black folks, to some black men. And I said- It's some black, I saw this lady from, uh, I, from Texas saying I don't trust her. What the fuck does that mean? It's, it's, because it, 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 it's like it, it's so it's so mind boggling. It's so mind boggling because the reason why Scottie Pippen's son died. You want to know how he died? And I'm gonna tell the story, and then we'll move on. I'm gonna tell you what. I'm gonna tell you what happened. Okay, you remember we were all talking about getting vaccinated, right? You. Yeah. Me, Rob, when Rob, before Rob had his kid. Okay. So in um, March, 
I want to say it was it was it was in March. So this was in March of last year. They opened up the eligibility in Louisiana, and they opened it up to a point where it was like um, anyone could go get it. Anyone could go get the vaccine. I was because I'm tech savvy, and I asked questions on okay, where should I, where can I go get it at? Um, I signed up on CVS, signed up on CVS, CVS.com. When got my vaccine, the first day, uh, was March 13th. So, her friend, uh, our friend Rage, Rage, uh, had gotten. Uh, she had gotten her shots and everything. Her boyfriend, which is Scotty Pippen's, uh, Scotty Pippen's son, he got his first shot the week after I got my first shot, and he's like has pre-existing conditions. So here's what happens: he had an asthma attack before he was about to get his second shot and basically died from COVID after he had like an asthma attack or whatever. And he basically died. And I remember when Rach told me this, I said, Rach, you have my cell number. You know I'm in New Orleans. You could have came to New Orleans. I would have helped you get a room here in New Orleans, a hotel room in this city. And you and your boyfriend would have been both vaccinated. They weren't gonna. They weren't gonna give a fuck if you were from out of state or anything. And when she told it, when when I when I when I told when I told the story to a friend of mine, I said that's why she's voting for Stacey Abrams because the negligence of Kemp killed a lot of people. How they fucked the vaccine rollout up in the state in the state of Georgia, fucked up. Uh, fucked up. It, it costs a lot of people lives. It costs a lot of people lives, among other things. And you know, you know, we discussed this, and we were saying how I know in Alabama there were white people who knew. I don't know how they knew before we did. I mean, I I I, I have my suspicions, but how did white people know to go ahead and and get the damn vaccine? And they didn't tell us. Or didn't really make the announcement until later, but I mean that's how we found out was why. And then we, I had white friends saying, "Oh, girl, this is what you need to do." So they knew way ahead of time before we did. I think the thing was, you had an administration. Keep in mind, when the current administration got in, you saw that the deaths among mm -hmm. us started to decrease, and the vaccine rates among us went up because you had a vice president that went into the communities and talked about the importance of having getting the COVID vaccine. If this, if the form, if the other administration hadn't been in, I guarantee you, we would not be in the position of where we are today. And I think it pays well, when you have some- said, I mean, they haven't we both basically touched and agreed and said had Trump handed this right he'd be president today we'd be fucked up but he'd be president but he screwed up COVID basically did him in. Yeah it's the thing that 
it's the thing that that people don't realize. It's like it's sort of like, and I think that's what's gonna get DeSantis. I think truly, I think that's what's gonna get DeSantis. I, I truly. We're gonna see what this hurricane is gonna get him because everybody's like, how is he gonna handle this situation? Because this is this is a catastrophe. I mean, I mean, Florida stayed, and this was basically a Category Five storm. Which I'm, I'm thinking at some point they're gonna reclassify like they did Hurricane Michael back in 2018. They reclassified that to Category Five. I bet money. This hurricane. I think it's gonna be. It was like it was like two. It was like two miles per hour away from well, yeah. uh, from a, being a category five. And, and can and I thing- just say the National Weather Service need to cut the bullshit. If it gets to me past 150, that shit is a five. Stop playing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 right there that right there in itself because like I looked at the I was looking at some of the webcams. I was looking at some of the web some of the webcams um around um around Tampa and stuff. And I, I did like a couple of look-ins at Tampa and like just the, the, just the entire Florida West Coast. And there was this camera uh, that is like right by, um, right by Raymond James Stadium. And I looked at that camera and there was a flag that said, go Bucks. And that flag is all but gone. And the thing that I, I that I that I me personally want to talk about is how every time there's a every time that there's a um uh, um uh, uh, an incident like this that happens here in the South, the dumbasses, the northern, the dumbasses from up north. They are like, how dare, you know, this is what y'all get for voting this way. This is what y'all get for voting this way. This is what y'all get for uh, living down in the South. I'm like, motherfucker, really? Instead of y'all, y'all love to stick y'all noses up at us. Y'all love to stick our, stick our noses up at us, but y'all, y'all love our culture. But then when something happens down here, oh, then it's a big problem. That pisses me off too, and I've seen it because we don't sit there and say ha ha when they get all this heat that we're used to getting, and they die off. We don't sit there and say ha ha. That's what you get for living up north with no air conditioning. We don't say that shit, you know. I mean, because because we understand what's going on, and I'm looking right now at the Raymond James scoreboard. For the most part, I think Tampa got. I don't think Tampa got damaged to the point where Fort Myers and Naples. Tampa's going to be fine. Fort Myers, Naples, Key West, I think all the smaller towns are going to be really like fucked up because like I'm looking at Tampa right now and I'm looking at the scoreboard like they got a webcam on top of the north scoreboard at Raymond James Stadium and it looks like they their power is still on and everything. I'm really concerned about the areas you know, south, you know, south and east of Tampa that isn't that lucky. I mean, you're looking at, I'm looking at right now, um, Tampa, like right now I'm looking at the, um, there's like the, um, a hurricane, like a, a little, um, hur- I'm looking at the how where the hurricane is and it's making its way over 
um, over Sebring and Lakeland. And it's going to make its way all the way up, like all the way up um, to Jacksonville and, yeah, and all throughout yeah. South Georgia. Yeah. All throughout South Georgia. And it's going to make, it's going to really do a lot of damage and, and, you know, a lot of damage and you're going to see a lot of uh, damage and also a lot of, a lot of rain and stuff. Uh, right now I'm looking at just like the rain totals, rain accumulation, just in turn, uh, just in turn here, let's see, I'm looking at the rain accumulation for uh, Tampa, Cedar Key, which is gotten about, let's see here, they got probably like right now, like, you know, 3.39 inches of rain and then you look over at Tampa, and I and they will move on. Let's see, Tampa, they're at one. They got over one point two two inch uh, inches of rain in Tampa. Well, they basically they didn't get touched. Yeah, they got one point three eight. They got one point three eight. Uh, they're looking at one point three eight um, inches of rain, but right now they got one point two. 1.2 uh, inches of rain. And now you go down to like um, Naples, to Naples and they still got, uh, they still got, um, they still got, um, you know, uh, their uh, webcams and stuff. They got about 0 0.87, 0 0.87 inches of rain, 0 0.61 uh, and it's right now, it's kind of like cl it's cloudy and stuff. So yeah, I think just, tomorrow I'm watching the weather channel now. They said seven foot storm storm surge in Florida. yeah it, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. I mean, it was really bad. And and I think that's the thing that that a lot of people don't realize. I mean, you know, Ian is now at a hundred miles per hour. And, and I think dangerous. it's moving it's at a hundred miles per hour. And it looks like it's going towards Jacksonville, going towards Jacksonville, among other things. They say that Tampa Bay lost at least six feet of water during Hurricane Ian. And there are communities under, uh, communities underwater, uh, especially like in the Southern part of the state. It's, it's crazy. So it's, it's bad. And I, I, and what's scary to me is that, like a lot of people doing Katrina, a lot of people didn't leave or couldn't leave. And, yeah. And that's what I said earlier. I said, as much as I hate DeSantos, you know, as much as I hate DeSantos, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy because... No, nobody should wish this. I mean, I wouldn't know, wish this on anyone. It's just terrible. It's just not... It's tragic because you... Because like I said, you know, they said it was catastrophic flooding. And then on top of that, yeah, because think about the people who didn't leave. How many people are going to be dead from this? Because a lot of folks didn't leave. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of people. Like, you, like when Katrina hit, they had like 1,800. 1,800 died. Right. And right now. I still felt like kind of creeped out being there because I could kind of still feel that, you know, it was just kind of creepy thing. I just, uh, you know, it just, I never, I wish I went to New Orleans before Katrina hit because I would love to see the difference because it's, 
I mean, I came here. To me now, it seems sadder than it was. It's sadder. I I would say, I would say, in a way, from what I've seen, because you know, I know what New Orleans looked like before Katrina. I came here uh, back in 2003, 2004. I came here for a Bayou Classic, and I remember watching uh an episode of making the band when they had uh the b-a-b-a the band on there and i remember watching that watching that and um i remember looking at that video looking at that tv at that episode and looking at how it is now here in new orleans it was nine day where the uh the b-a-b-a-n-d where the band was performing it, they were performing right where uh, what is now Champion Square. It used to be a mall called New Orleans Center. And they um, used to, they performed right there in front of the dome. And looking at it now, it's nothing more, like the garage is still there and everything, but the mall is not there anymore. So they built it and they changed it to Champion Square. So, you know, you're not the only one. I, I came here a couple of times before Katrina, once when I was little, once and, and then other time when I was in high school. So, yeah, it's um, it's really sad. And, and my thoughts and prayers are with those people in my Florida. And, and again, again, it's like the thing going back to the stuff with Stacey Abrams, going back to the stuff with Malika, Malinka Williams, uh, uh, Malinka uh, Andrews. It's like, you know, we as black men, we got to do better in terms of respecting black women and honoring the black women woman and i'm like you know that's just me and it's like i'm not saying this because i'm talking to you i have always had that you know that always have had that thought process i've always had that thought process because as i gotten older i learned how to listen to women not just white women but black women especially black women because when black women tell you something, you do it. And I and I'm gonna say this and then we'll go on. Black women's gonna save democracy. Black men are not, black women understand the assignment. We as black men don't understand the assignment. Well, I think we tie as black as a black woman, we tired of having to do it by ourselves. And like I said, as a black woman, it disappoints me so much to know that so many of our men, not all of y'all but so many of our men are so mean and disrespectful to us. And so many black women, we're still faithful to black men. Most black women want black men. That's why so many of us are still single. We're single into our thirties and late thirties and forties because a lot of us want a black man. I, I'm, I'm one of the few that date black, white men and that's why I exclusively date. But I know a lot of black women would date a black man. And a lot of them are choosing to be single because they can't find the white black man that fits them, and we're so fucking loyal to our own detriment. But it hurts my. I think. Heart. I think. I think. I think. Like the thing when with with like with 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 that with that, I, I kind of be like you know, with a black woman, I say you got to find someone who values you. You got to find someone right. who values you. You can have you know the thing about like okay, you want this person to be a solid, a perfect ten. That's never gonna happen. That's never gonna happen. I think if you deal with a a, 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 a a black dude, seven out of 10, 
seven there's seven things you're gonna like about that guy and three things you're gonna hate about that guy but that seven if that seven cancels out that three then bam you got somebody but 80 20 rule <laughs> but at the end of the day you shouldn't when I talk to and my advice to black women is this you shouldn't beat yourself up over the men who don't value you because the, there's always going to be someone that's going to be in that 80-20 rule, that 70-30 rule, that 60-40 rule that's going to value you. If that's six stuff, if the six things that you like about that person cancels, like about this, this dude cancels out that four, that's all that matters right there. That's all that matters. But anyway, Stacey, we moving, shifting gears over to football, college football. The five things that we've learned from this, uh, the first month of the season, I think it's safe to say we can call it, let's say that Tennessee is back. We can say this. I think Tennessee's back. I think they are. I think that uh, I was saying uh, the other day, Tennessee scares me. I think if Alabama is going to lose a game this year or or it's either going to be Saturday or Arkansas, or they're going to lose at Tennessee. They're going to lose one of the two or maybe both. Not sure. Because I'm not sure who's showing up Saturday in, in Fayetteville. But I feel like we have a better chance of losing in Knoxville. Uh, so I, it wouldn't shock me if we lost our first game to Tennessee in 16 years because they're really good offensively. Um, defensively, they're still suspect. They're, like, that's, that's what my thing is with both Arkansas and Tennessee. They're both suspect on defense, which gives Alabama a really good chance of winning. But if they win, it's going to be because of, of offensively, we just couldn't hold them down. So both Tennessee and Arkansas scared shit out of me. I think, I think the thing, I think the one, the, the things that, you know, when I, when, you know, when we talk about, uh, when we talk about this situation with, with, with Alabama, Alabama played sloppy against Texas. I think the old line, the, the, they played sloppy. And the, the most important thing when it comes to football, I, it's always elementary concept. And the elementary concepts, elementary concepts are your offensive line, your, your offensive line, your, um, um, your offensive line, your defensive line, uh, your your lines, the offensive and the defense, and the team that makes the fewest mistakes, and the team that uh, the team that makes the fewest mistakes. And there are times, there are times where I thought for sure that Alabama, um, that um, Alabama was going to lose that game to Texas, and I would say in a in a in a in a roundabout way, I think Texas is starting to come back but I think the thing that has to happen with Texas is you have to have stability stability is what makes your team come back you get what I'm saying right you're you got to have you know you got to have um you got to have stability when you don't have stability in your program you are not back Tennessee is back now, I'm not going to sit here and say Tennessee is going to win the SEC championship. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the East because we know that Georgia is still there. But Tennessee has the chance to play in a very, in a New Year's Day six bowl. They have a chance to do that. I think, like I said, Georgia and Alabama better both watch out 
because Tennessee is going to get one of them. They're going to get one of them, and, I, and I'm calling it now. They're going to get either Alabama or they're going to get Georgia. And I'm just, I, and I'm wondering which one because I, and I run the Alabama seems to play better in Knoxville than they do in Tuscaloosa. So if this game was like, I, I went to the Tennessee game last year, and that was too close for comfort for me. And they weren't supposed to be back, but they played so well in that game. And if it wasn't for turnovers, and uh, they just, and Bama just poured it on in the second half. Tennessee was, I won't say they were going to win, but they were going to make it close at the end. So it would not shock me at all. I'm telling you, if Arkansas beats us this weekend or Tennessee gets us in Knoxville, or it might be both. Like I said, depending, because we, we, both of those games are on the road and we play awful on the road. So it wouldn't be shocking to me. But yeah, I would tell Georgia, it, I call it right now, Tennessee is going to either get Georgia or Alabama. And, and Georgia uh, they get Georgia, they get Georgia, they get Georgia at, on the road, but also, we can't forget my LSU Tigers. Okay, LSU is playing a lot of a lot better as opposed to where they were in the first game against Florida State. You're seeing a more confident LSU team. That could be a trap game when they play them in Baton Rouge. And remember, LSU killed Tennessee it, football. See. I'll say this. I think if they were playing at night, yes. You're playing the first thing in the morning, no. Because somebody said, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, it, it is. 100,000 Cajuns being drunk at night versus them first thing in the morning. And I agree. Yes. I think Tennessee is going to whoop LSU, to be honest. I really do see that. I think that don't let, and I'm not trying to. If, if, it, if, if, if it was a 2.30 p.m. game, I could say we have a chance. But I think, I think, I do think that this is going to be a trap game because the defense has really started to come along. And I think this is, and this is what happens when you have a coach that is comp, that allows the deep that trusts his defensive coordinator. Ed Orgeron never allowed Dave Arnott to call, to call his own defense. Brian Kelly allows Matt House to call his own defense, and that's the difference between Ed Orgeron and Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is just a CEO. He like, look, you do your own shit. I'll just, you know, whatever you you agree with, we collaborate. Bam, you know, I, bam. And I, I think I, say, I, I really just think that, and I don't, I just want to say this. I don't want LSU fans to get too caught up in the last two or three weeks because let's be honest, you haven't played anybody. So you're gonna beat Auburn this weekend. I think you got Auburn. You're gonna yeah, beat, we got we got Auburn. You're beat Auburn probably pretty well. Auburn is awful. And I think you'll beat them. And but I think Tennessee is just to me, y'all are not the problem with LSU is not gonna be able to keep up with them offensively. That's gonna be the difference. Your defense might be better, but Tennessee's offense is just so much better than LSU. They're gonna dominate and they're gonna take over and their offense, your defense is gonna get tired and won't be able to keep up. Tennessee's that's how confident and I you know I can't stand the big orange, but I'm just speaking from the standpoint of looking at it that don't get too caught up in what LSU is doing because you pretty much have had it easy. You're going to probably win easy Saturday and get more confident, but understand Tennessee is much better than LSU, at least offensively. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, you know, I'm not even going to get, I can't, I can't, like me personally, I'm not going to get upset with it because you're telling the truth. I mean, we, we really, I mean, we played Southern, we played Southern, we played New Mexico. Right. Uh, we played play New Mexico and we played Mississippi State. And and Mississippi State, um, uh, Mississippi State, 
was supposed to be this team that could come in and, you know, come in and, and dominate offensively. We heard about the air raid and everything, but they really didn't do much of anything. They really didn't do much I, of anything. It's overrated, and I think that they get the big head, too, because they were talking about uh, just watching the SEC this morning, listening to Peter Burns and Chris Doring. He fathers praise on Will Rogers, but the thing about it is Mississippi State does not play well in big games. They don't. And I mean, I mean, and that's a, that's historically, that's historically, yeah. they have never done that. They've I never mean, done it. I mean, this is the this is their time to step up, like you said, with the air raid and all this. Stuff. They don't play well in big games. Like people say, oh, they can give Alabama problems. No, they can't. Alabama has dominated them for the last two, three years. The game, I believe, this year is in yeah, is in Tuscaloosa, and they're going to get killed probably at some point. Will Anderson will probably see again like he did last year. And I think Mississippi State is highly overrated. They don't play well in big games. When they, when it's their moment, they poop on themselves. And like I said, it was their moment. If they had beaten LSU, I would take it, have taken it more seriously. And I have a friend that's a huge Mississippi State fan, and I don't, and I, I don't like to talk to him too much about it because I, I think I would hurt his feelings by saying your team basically doesn't impress me, but they don't. They don't play anybody. You know, they win their little games, good for them. They're going to win their seven or eight games this year and go to Peach Bowl or go to six, whatever they go, or Gator Bowl, I guess. But as far as just taking them seriously as a contender in the West, no, I don't. I mean, I never took them seriously. I mean, I mean, this is a program that has historically done this, done things like this. I mean, you look at uh, 1999, Mississippi State started, I believe, Eight and O, eight and O, um, to start the season, and it was like a fabulous season. They had won ten games. They had started the season, um, they had started the season eight and O, and they went to Alabama. This was the year y'all won the SEC championship. Would, Mike I, yeah, I would, oh, y'all, 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 yeah, yeah, y'all. This was when when Mike DeBose was here. You go eight and O. If you went, if you beat Alabama, you go to they go to Atlanta. They go to Atlanta. They lose to Alabama, and then they lose to Arkansas, and they miss out on going on 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 going to Atlanta. Going to Atlanta. I mean, they ended up finishing a game out of first. Uh, Alabama ends up going to um, to Atlanta, and they took on Florida, and of course. You know, of course, that's just an, an example of just how Mississippi State football is when it comes to being in that big moment. When it comes when it comes to being in that big moment, they they don't they they wither. They definitely wither. I mean, they went to um, they went to number one in 2014. You know, I 2014. That, that's what I, was about to say. I went to that game. It was homecoming, I think, that year. And that Prescott was playing, and I went to that game, and we jumped on them early, and we had to fight them off in the end to win. But yeah, Mississippi State, yeah, that when it's their moment, they've been in that spotlight a few times over the past few years, and had that moment, and they could never close the deal. And 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 it and it's and it's and it's and it's it's just that's just who they are. That's 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 a program that is. The moment that got the moment gets too big for them. The moment yeah. gets too big for them, and when the moment gets too big for them, I mean, look at 2014. They went to number one 
for the first time in school history. Okay, so they have to go to Alabama. You beat Alabama, you beat Alabama, you're probably in the driver's seat to go to Atlanta. You're number one in the country. They lose 20, they lose a close game 25 to 20. But then you get Ole Miss. You're still in the chance, you still have a chance to play in the in the uh in the college football playoff. Ole Miss beats them 31 to 17. And they end up going to the Orange Bowl. So again, the moment gets too big for this. The moment always gets too big for this program, and they always wilter uh in the um in the end. Uh another thing that I've learned that we have to learn, Miami football is not back. No. I'm sorry. And, and you and I, we talked about this. Uh, one of the things I talked to you about was this, where Miami is, like the University of Miami is in Coral Gables. And the thing that I think that I think that <coughs> is that, that separates Miami from, let's say, a TCU or a USC, the thing that separates them is this. Once those white folks in Coral Gables got too uncomfortable with all those black kids going to Miami, that's when they were like, oh, we got to stop this whole thing. Because the thing that the, the thing that killed Miami football, it really wasn't Alabama. It was the, the, the president. It, you know, my, Alabama was one, was one thing. But I also think Alabama, and then I want to say what y'all did to them in the national title game, what Washington did in 94, they had a 58-game home winning streak. Washington, what Washington did, what the NCAA did, and then what LSU and what Ohio State did and what LSU did. There are so many culprits when it comes to the killing of Miami football. But, but main let's, important. Be, let's be truthful. Let's be honest. It was started with Alabama. And that's my I would say I, I, I would say I would say Alabama because I think the intimidation factor was there when Alabama whooped their ass. And I remember I was a student in college when this happened. Nobody gave us a motherfucking chance. Nobody. It was like, oh, Miami's going to go out there because they had beaten us back in 89 silent but that was with Bill Curry we were different we were better defense that was our 89 team was one of the best offensive teams probably in school his school's history until now and so 92 93 national championship we had the best defense ever still considered the best defense in Alabama history and we shut them down but yeah there were determining factors but in all truth and honesty it started with Alabama it may not we may not totally ended them but it started when we beat them that night because nobody, because they were not invincible anymore. And I think that was my homemade point to you was, yeah, LSU had a part in it, but it started with Alabama because the intimidation factor was gone because now people saw that, hey, we can beat these guys. And Alabama didn't do like a bunch of fancy shit. They played defense and they ran the football down their motherfucking throat. That's exactly how we won. We didn't have, like I said, Jay Parker didn't throw the ball probably 10 times that night. They ran the football. They played defense, and, and, and which is which is basically which is the hallmark of what what Alabama teams. That's what that was the Alabama football team. Those were the Alabama football teams I grew up on. Were the teams that played defense, 
and they also ran the football really well. I mean, the first Alabama player I remember was David Palmer. Like that guy was amazing. Oh, like, I was he in was cool with David Palmer. He, he was, was he was our total offense those years because you never knew what was going to happen. He was most well, and, I, and I'm surprised when people come up with best SEC players ever. Most excited. David Palmer should be on that damn list along with Cam Newton and Tebow and Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson and Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. They all should be on this list because Palmer was that dude when I was in college. We he. I mean, he was like I I explained it to somebody. I explained it to somebody, and I said, you know, when you think of like when I when you think of, you know, the greatest like some of the greatest players in the modern era, you know, you have Julio, you got Trent Richardson, you got AJ McCarron, you got Tua, you got Jalen, you got um, um, Dre Kirkpatrick, you got all these guys, but you cannot write the history of modern SEC, modern Alabama football without writing, without talking about David Palmer. Like that dude was that dude uh, as a kid. He's the shit. The deuce was the shit. You never knew what was gonna happen. Never knew. So it's like, so it, it's like, so yes, that's what definitely thing. But the thing with Miami, Miami football, you don't like by no means you should lose the Middle Tennessee. No, by no means you should not lose the Middle Tennessee. And the fuck though, and the funny part about it was that Rick Stock still could never beat Miami when he was the quarterback at Florida State, and he was reveling in the fact that they beat Miami. You know, th- that's the thing. It's like, this is how far this program has fallen. And they, you know, they're like, well, we want to hire, we want to hire Mario Cristobal. This is like the equivalent of what Nebraska did. They hired Scott Frost. And I'm like, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Mario Cristobal is not going to make all your problems go away. He's not. If anything... The problem is deeper than changing coaches. Like the way that you know that a team or a school is back is if you have stability. If you don't have stability, if you don't have stability, Stacy, guess what? You're not back. Miami is not back. Texas can be back if they have stability. If they are, if you have stability, if Texas has stability with their head coach, with their head coaching job, then yes, Texas will be back. But I'm not ready to say Texas is back until they have stability, uh, until they have stability uh, at the coaching position. I think that, like I said, Miami has, I think that time for them has passed, honestly. I I mean, at least it has for now, it's gonna be hard for them to come back. I think it's I think it started like like we were saying, but uh, I said I said it started with Alabama. Like you said, other factors played in that too, and I agree. And I think uh, you know, I think Florida becoming good over the years with Steve Spurrier, because that's what because when Miami really started to go down, when Florida started to come up, Steve Spurrier. Then you had Urban Meyer was there. You know, they dominated Florida sports, and then Bobby Bowden was still at Florida State. He still was winning and doing okay. And I think it, it kind of killed Miami, but I think that all that bullshit and the you and all that, man, bye with all that shit. Because this is, like I said, this is 2002. Most of these kids weren't even born when all that shit was taking place. So they don't know. 
you know, Miami was a dynasty for about a decade, and then they basically went away. And they were here, they were spotted here and there, but you, I think also what killed them was joining the ACC instead of remaining independent, because that was supposed to be there. Them and Florida State was supposed to be able to dominate. And then to have Clemson all of a sudden be a national power and not Miami. It's weird, but Miami, I think that, like I said, I don't, to me, the Nebraska, I said this the other day, they had good coaches in place to keep this program going. They fired them because they weren't winning national championships or weren't competing every year for it. Nebraska did the same thing. You had Frank Solich there. You had somebody who was winning, but because, you know, winning nine, 10 games a year, but because he wasn't winning national championships, we could have came later on, they fired him. And now they're stuck. You know, they, they got stuck with Scott Frost, who um, my joke is he'll be an assistant with Saban probably next year, probably be our offensive coordinator at Bill O'Brien leaves. And he's, uh, to me, Scott Frost is a great offensive coordinator. They don't play defense, and he doesn't know how to close out the games to save his life. That's his problem. Maybe he needs to go to Saban's camp. But I think that Miami and Nebraska fell off because of their own pickiness. I think Tennessee had, had fallen off. And now they, and I think Tennessee thought they were on this level with Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia, and, and they weren't. They're not even on second tier right now. LSU and all these other programs are on second tier. And Kentucky has even jumped ahead of Tennessee in some ways. But anyway, I digress. But I think I, in the overall scheme of things, Miami and Nebraska are basically the same school. They're, they're basically, they are. They fuck themselves over. And I think a lot of times when, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these schools, they think that they have all the answers. They think that they have all the answers, among other things. And then, in the end, in the in the end, it turns out that they don't have all the answers, and it turns out they don't have all the answers in in, in everything. And um, and they end up, they end up um, falling in on the uh, on the short end of the stick. Uh, I think that's the thing that you saw. That's the thing you saw with Miami and Nebraska and 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 Tennessee. And and I think you're gonna start seeing. And I think you're starting. And and you saw it somewhat with USC. With with well with Michigan. Uh, with Michigan, I think when you look at Michigan, the the whole idea, the thing that killed Michigan football, a guy named Jalen. Uh, we had a conversation on this. The thing that killed Michigan football was when App State beat them. That yep. program never that program's never recovered from that. That program it, they just now recovering from it. And the fact that the matter was in my life in like in my life like if you're a kid of the 90s, you knew that Michigan was always Michigan was always Michigan was always beating um was always beating Ohio State. When I was growing up that's how it was with with uh that's how it was with um when uh when when uh not when saving but when uh when John Cooper was there uh they went two and you know they went two they went two and um uh, two and ten you know two and ten he went two and ten against uh Ohio against Michigan and since two thousand you know since two thousand. Michigan has only beaten Ohio State four times. I mean, if you start at 2001 in the last 
since 2001, Michigan has only beaten Ohio State three times. Wow. Three. So Michigan, since they last won a national title in 1997, let's say that, let me go a step further. Michigan, they've had three wins against Ohio State since 2001. From 1997 to 2000, they had three wins and four tries against Ohio State. They've only won since they won that national title against Michigan, uh, that national championship. They shared a national title with, with Nebraska. They've only won six times against Ohio State. Six times. Uh, I, six mean, times. I mean, but I so, think if they can finally hire somebody, you know, that Jim Harbaugh can coach. I don't know. If, I still don't know if he'll win a national championship with, with, with Michigan because Alabama and Georgia are still probably going to be there every other year. <laughs> They're going to be somebody. It'll be one of those teams, or Ohio State and even Oklahoma and USC now. But like I said, the reason, like I said, these schools need to be so damn, they're too damn picky. And they just think of themselves too highly. Like Auburn, I mean, Auburn thinks they're going to get Deion Sanders. I said, why would Deion? Auburn, Auburn is, look, Auburn, I, I cannot see that. I could not see that working. I, I, I think, I, I think the thing with, with Deion, with Deion Sanders, it, it, you know, I think he really just doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And I'm going to tell you why he doesn't get it. I'm going to tell you why he doesn't get it. I think he did not realize how dire the situation were, was with HBCUs. He's like, I'm trying to bring a face to the HBCUs, like Jackson State. I'm like, that's great and good and well. But here's the thing. Deion Sanders wants to be the Nick Saban of HBCUs. And you can tell, I mean, nobody in the, in the SWAC is beating this team. Nobody in the SWAC is beating this team. They blew out Grambling. They hung almost 70 points on Grambling the other week. They blew out Jackson State 59 to three. I mean, uh, Florida A&M 59 to three. They hung almost 70 on Grambling State. You hung 49 on Mississippi Valley State. And in the SWAC, like who in the who's gonna who's gonna beat them? Like, I don't see anybody on their schedule that they're gonna that that's gonna beat them. Like they get um they get Southern on the 29th of October. They get they go to they host Campbell on the 22nd. They don't get Prairie. They don't get Prairie View. They don't get Prairie View at home um, at all. They don't play Prairie View at home, but they get Alabama A&M. They get Texas Southern. Uh, they get Alabama A&M and Texas Southern back-to-back weeks on the road. They host Southern um, on the 29th. They host Campbell on the 22nd of October, but they have Alabama State October 8th, Bethune-Cookman October 15th. Who in the fuck is beating that team? I, but the thing about it is with Auburn, I mean, I think Dion's gonna go division one eventually. I just don't think it's gonna be Auburn. I think he can I think if he waits another year to another opening, maybe at Florida State will come open and he can go there. He needs to go somewhere. I think if he went to to Tallahassee, he'd kill it. I really do believe it. I think he he would kill it. I think he would win in Tallahassee. 
I say, but why would he go to Auburn? I've said this, and Auburn folks are convinced. I was like, yeah, I just ran off your black athletic director. Do you honestly think, you know, wouldn't he, like I said, told, basically basically told the man that your job, they wouldn't even tell him tell him until the, just before the beginning of the season that uh, your whole being is based on whether or not this man, Brian Harson was going to have a good season. So you think Deion Sanders is going to leave Jackson, Mississippi for Auburn, Alabama, and get caught up in a situation that if he doesn't win right away, they're going to fire him. They're going to do him like they've done these other coaches. If he doesn't win right away, he'll be fired. And then, like I said, on top of that, it's a shit show. Mm-hmm. Who the hell is the, it's a, I mean, that's what Auburn fans don't seem to get. It's a shit. I mean, I think they get it, but they really still don't understand. It's a shit show. Who are they going uh, to get that's going to want to come down there, especially if Harrison is Harrison? It's probably going to be fired at the end of the year. He got two years, and now he's gone. And like everybody's been saying, and you would probably agree with this, he never should have brought his ass out there from the first place. They wanted him gone from what I read out of Boise State. They didn't even like him out there. They wanted him gone. So it was no big loss when he left Boise for Auburn. This man has never coached in the Southeastern Conference. He's never lived in the South. He doesn't clearly know how to recruit black players. And that's he can't recruit well. And like I said, there are people, I mean, even Gus Mazan got his share of players. They had top 10 classes at Auburn under Gus Mazan, even with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in, the back, in his backyard. But this man didn't know what he was doing. And I think that Dion could kill it wherever he goes, but why would he go to Auburn, like I said, and, and, and his expectations are going to be super duper high, but if he doesn't produce right away, if he doesn't knock out like a number top five recruiting class, if he doesn't, you know, beat Alabama on that first or second year, he gone. This is like I said to me. Whoever gets this job at Auburn needs to understand. They see what's going on. He probably demand. And like I said, he don't need the money. That's another his thing. He don't need the money. This man's a millionaire. He's coaching at a small black college in Jackson, Mississippi, and he don't need. And he really says he wants to try to build that program and build up the HBCU. I get that, but like I said, eventually he will be gone to a Division One school. It's not a question of if, but who and when. I, I I see it that way. I see. I think the thing is, you know, hiring Dion is not the same as hiring. Like if if I'm Auburn, I'm looking at somebody like a Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. I'm looking at a G5 coach. I'm not looking at getting Dion Sanders. But that's uh, the thing. And, that Auburn fans are arrogant. The administration is arrogant. They really think they think they can go out here and nail a big time coach. There's nobody I can think of. Like, like I said, maybe one, like you said, maybe one of these small schools. I mean, hell, call Scott Frost. Scott Frost doesn't have a job right now. Call him. I, I, you know, I think which, what, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's amazing how some of these coaches, like if you know, like noticing, like in college basketball. In college basketball, they were everybody was hyping up Greg Marshall to be the head coach at this school. Right. They wanted him to be the head coach at Alabama. They want him to be head coach at South Carolina. And then the stuff come comes out about Greg Marshall. And it was like, oh, we can't hire him. We can't hire him. We can't hire him. We can't hire him at all. And um didn't he get fired from uh, from um Wichita State eventually? Yeah, he got fired. He got he got fired from uh Wichita State. And um the thing, you know, and the thing, you know, and the thing and the thing is and and the thing is and the thing the thing that um that I that I was um that I was saying is this it's always yeah, you know, 
we everyone wants to hire this guy. Everybody wants to hire this guy. Everybody wants to hire uh, Deion Sanders because it's the big name. But I'm like, let me tell you this. Hiring the big name doesn't always result the results you think it will it will produce. Right, right. I agree with that. I think that that's the thing. But, you know, because – and then Deion also has to coach, still has to recruit and coach against Nick Saban. Yeah, you still got to do that. You yeah, still got to do those things. But anyways, but anyways, Stacey, we are coming to the close of this, uh, of this, um, of well, of this episode of the Brian and Stacey show. Here's uh, the games that we're going to be picking. Ten games to be picking. Uh, the first game, uh, the first game would be Tulane against Houston. Two Houston is getting two and a half points. They're two and two. Uh, they're two and two against uh, two and two. Houston is two and two. Tulane is three and one. Oh man, like Tulane has a really good rushing. The rushing, uh, they have a really good rushing attack. I watched them Saturday um, when they took on when they took on Southern Miss. I w- I I expect them to bounce back from. They're a loss against the uh, against the Golden Eagles. I'm going with Tulane over Houston. I am going with Tulane also. Um, Tulane's been playing really well of late, and I think that they seemingly, from uh, the outside looking in, is having a really good season. So yeah, I'm going with Tulane. The next game on the docket for Saturday, 11 a.m. special, the the Jefferson Pilot special. This is where you. The eleven, the Jefferson Pilot special, the Jefferson Pilot game, the eleven o'clock game is where you do your errands. That's when you do your errands, among other things. Kentucky against Ole Miss, the most important Kentucky Ole Miss game, football game ever. Mississippi Ole Miss is getting seven points. Uh, the line is at Mississippi Ole Miss seven. I am going to go with the Wildcats, and here's why. The Wildcats has a fabulous defense. Will Levis is, is amazing to watch. That defense is going to be the story in this game from the Wildcats. I'm going with the Wildcats over Ole Miss. I have to agree with that. Um, I have to agree with that 100%. I think that the difference is going to be the defense. Um, I'm not – I think it's going to be a close game, though. Um wouldn't be shocked if Ole Miss pulled it out, but I'm going with Kentucky because of their defense. Next game on the docket. Uh, next game on the docket is going to be TCU against Oklahoma. Oklahoma gets six and a half points. They lost to Kansas State, and um, Oklahoma fans. There's some guy named Big Game Boomer. I don't know if you've ever heard of the guy. He's like an Oklahoma either. fan. Yeah. He called LSU fans crybabies about us complaining about the 11 a.m. start for the Tennessee game. But your team is playing at 11 a.m. on this Saturday against TCU. You're getting six and a half points. I expect the Sooners to bounce back from that loss against Kansas State, but I would not sleep on TCU just yet. I am still going to go with the Sooners. The Sooners will bounce back over TCU. 
I think they will too. I think their offense is probably a little bit, well, I won't say a little bit better, probably much better than TCU. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Sooners. Next game on the docket, the next game on the docket, and this is like the two the two thirty kick. Alabama against Arkansas. Alabama has Alabama is getting seventeen points against the Hogs. You you I'm with you on this point on the stuff about we don't know which Alabama team is going to show up. Sam Pittman was my pick of, for Coach of the Year last year in the SEC. He has done a fabulous job with the Razorbacks and I am going to but I am going to go with Arkansas with not Arkansas but with Alabama Alabama huge over the Razorbacks I'm you know I'm going to pick Alabama I don't think it's going to be a huge victory I will be shocked um if it's if, because like I said Alabama plays terrible on the road so if they win by more than two touchdowns I'll be a shock I, I'll be shocked because that means we're probably at our we're, we're peaking at the right time, but I would say yeah, Alabama probably win. I would say the problem with and I think I saw somebody put up the statistics. Now I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it probably is. They say Arkansas is like 131st in the country in pass defense, and if that's the case, and I said if Alabama's offensive line can block enough for Bryce Young, he will tear them up. He was, I mean, that's my main thing with Arkansas is they're not very good defensively. Now, they were able to hold Texas A&M. Texas A&M offense is not good. But, uh, yeah, I think if the offensive line could hold up uh, against Arkansas, then Alabama should win. But I'm not going to even think it's going to be a blowout. I think it will, it will be close. The next game on the docket, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Oklahoma, Baylor is getting two points. Over the over the over the Cowboys, this is a, of course is a rematch of what happened last year in the Big Twelve title game. God hates Oklahoma State. He he really does. I think God hates Oklahoma State football, and I'm going to go with Baylor by three over the Cowboys. Well, I, I'm gonna go with Baylor too. Oklahoma State has a tendency, I mean, again, there's like Mississippi State in the sense that they throw up on themselves when it comes to a big game like this. I expect them to do that again. I mean, that they 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 that does make sense. I mean, we, we did add Oklahoma State, uh Oklahoma State and Mississippi State to the throw up, throw up on themselves list, the list of teams that throw up on themselves. That's really what they are. Like those are the two programs that throw up on themselves. Yeah. We also could put North North Carolina State is up there too. Like North Carolina State's up there. Like North Carolina State. Yeah. North Carolina. (laughs) Like there's a reason why they call it NC State shit. Like NC State shit happens when the moment gets too big. It used to be Georgia. Georgia used to have the moment got too big for them. But they off that moment got too big team uh, list. But uh, the next game on this docket, Wake Forest and Florida State. I got it wrong, Florida State fans. I got it wrong, okay? I thought you guys were fraudulent. Even though you you beat my Tigers, my friend Kate would be proud of me for saying that I am going to pick the Seminoles over the Demon Deacons. 
I am thinking Demon Deacons are going to bomb Florida State. I'm not convinced. I'm sorry. Florida State really has an other than LSU. They and and basically they almost gave that game away. I'm not convinced that FSU is real. Good for them, but <laughs> you know, Wake Forest. I saw what they did to Clemson. They are going to murder Florida State. This will not be close. Texas A&M against Mississippi State. Uh, the Cal College, the Cal College Classic. Mississippi State is getting four points in this game. What four game points. Playing at? In Starkville. Okay. I am basically convinced. I I think Mississippi State will win. I think the problem with them again, with as I, we just said a few minutes ago, Texas A&M has a decent defense. Their problem is offensively. But Mississippi State, I, again, it wouldn't shock me if they lost. This is somebody else, like we just said ago about North Carolina State throwing up on themselves. This is a chance for Mississippi State to redeem themselves to beat Texas A&M. And I think this game was close last year. And uh, Yeah, it, it, it was. It was it, close it last was. year. And, but I think with Mississippi State, you just again, it's somebody you don't know who will show up. This is a big game for them, and we'll see if they really are going to – are they real or is they, they're still the same old Mississippi State. But I think they'll have enough offense to beat Texas A&M. The next game on the docket, the next game on the docket would be LSU and Auburn. LSU is getting nine points in this game. We're getting nine. The over-under is at 46 and a half. I'm going with LSU. This this is not even hard. It's like, I just wonder exactly what was the point of bringing back Brian Hartson. You had a chance to fire this guy. Why are you bringing him back? And I, I don't understand. <laughs> Who was they couldn't get anybody... They couldn't, get anybody, they couldn't get anybody. They couldn't get anybody else. You know. They couldn't get anybody else when they fired, when they fired Gus Malzahn. They couldn't get anybody else then. You couldn't get anybody else to replace Gus Malzahn. So you got your fourth choice, your fourth choice, and Brian Harson. And I just don't know. Um really just in general just in general how good Auburn is going to be how good Auburn is yes you're three and one but that's a foolish three and one you could say the same thing about LSU being three and one but at least you see a you see some semblance of confidence I don't see any semblance of confidence with this Auburn team so I'm taking LSU huge over Auburn and I think and I think I think Carson's going to be the next coach to get fired. Or else he's going to resign. I've already, I've already heard that Carson is, is gone. And I think it's just a matter TikTok. It's just a matter of time before he's gone. But, I, yeah, I agree. LSU should win that one. Speaking of North Carolina State, North Carolina State against Clemson. Oh, my God. Oh my God! What? This North Carolina State. This is the. This is another chance for them to prove that they're not choke artists when the moment is too big for. When the moment is big for them. 
Clemson is getting six and a half in this game. This game is played in Death Valley in Clemson, the phony Death Valley. The only real Death Valley we acknowledge is the one in Baton Rouge. I will say that's true. I don't acknowledge Clemson. I don't, yeah, Clemson, yeah, I don't acknowledge Clemson, okay? I don't acknowledge Clemson. I am going to go with North Carolina State. Clemson nearly lost this game. They lost, they nearly lost this game against Wake Forest. And I think, I think honestly, you saw some kinks in the armor with this Clemson team. I am going to pick North Carolina State over the Tigers. And it's going to be a three-point game. North Carolina State has proven that they can beat Clemson. They can they proved it in Raleigh last year. Can they do it on the road in uh in Clemson? And I think they can. I say no. I think Clemson will win. I think that they uh another it's gonna be another close game, but I think revenge is gonna be a big part of this. I think Clemson will beat North Carolina State. The last game, the Pac twelve after dark. It these are two lame ass games too. It's Arizona State against USC. That game, 25 and a half point favorite, USC. Well, I, I say we're in agreement, USC. USC. Yeah, 100%. And I don't like, fuck Arizona State. I don't like how they did Herm Edwards to fire him coming off the field and then come to find out that his assistants or whatever were telling on him or, or giving away his game secrets. That's a bunch of bullshit. I hope they don't win another game this year. That was just like low down. Like I, I knew That's for a fact that was dog shit, and I would probably, if it was me, I'd sue. But I know that said they said that Herbert was got them in trouble with the NCAA, so that's why one of the main reasons he's fired. But still, that's low down dirty stuff. I mean, which he did, he did get them in trouble, but it was also this whole thing was this. And this is why you shouldn't always. This is why sometimes hiring pro coaches in college football is a bad idea. That was a bad idea to hire him as the head coach at, at Arizona State. You ran off, um, you ran off, you ran off Todd Graham for this. I will never understand that at all. I will never understand that. They could, I think that, they like Auburn, they couldn't get nobody, so. They called up Hermit was old ass and uh, said, "Can you come coach us?" And he said, "Yeah." But and and, co- and they said they love they they were talking about this on uh, the game last week with Arizona State how much he was beloved by the players and stuff and staff did him dirty. That was and they did like the, and the staff did do him dirty. I mean, if you really when you really look at it, they really did do him. They really did do him dirty. Like when you really look at it, it was like he had one hand behind his back. He had one hand behind his back, and it was just never going to be a situation in which he was going to be successful. And I think that's the thing. And I think, and I, and I truly believe this. I think, you know, you tell me if they would have done this for, uh, if they would have done this for, and this has always comes back. It's like. Would they have done this to a white coach? And I, and you would have got, you got, you got your answer. It's a resounding I know, no. Because I mean, they USC fired Lane on the tarmac one night, so they. No, I'm talking about like I'm talking about the assistant, like the assistant coaches doing what oh, they. Oh hell did. no! They would never have done it. Nope. 
Nope, nope, nope. They wouldn't have. That was just low down. But it's not surprising. But even then, when when he took the job at um at Arizona State, I even said that it was going to be a disaster. I told people it was going to be a disaster. I said, there's no way in the world he's going to last. And that was when they hired Kevin Sumlin over at uh, Arizona. And everybody thought, well, oh, yeah, he's going to be uh, – that's going to be the better hire, uh, Kevin Sumlin being hired at, um, at, at, at Arizona. And it turned out that Kevin Sumlin lasted longer um, – Kevin Sumlin, not Kevin Sumlin, but Herm Edwards lasted longer at, at – um, Arizona State than Kevin Sumner did at Arizona. Yeah. So, so you know, but but yeah, it's a mess. But uh, the other game is Oregon and Stanford. David Shaw has been there. I love David Shaw, but I think Stanford has now proven that they don't give a fuck about football because it's amazing how at one point in time, David Shaw had Stanford rolling. He was a, on the short list of a lot of head coaching jobs, you know, head coaching job vacancies. And um, he is now, you know, he's 94 and 46. Uh, he's 94 and 46, but they haven't been to a bowl game since 2018. They haven't been ranked since 2017. They haven't, um, they haven't, they haven't finished in a top 10 since 2015 from 2002 from 2011 to 2013 they had top 10 finishes but the problem but the thing about it is you say all this and yet stanford has always found a way now how, how good or bad they ought to be oregon do not be shocked if they beat oregon saturday night because this is this is perfect for them Nobody's expecting them to do it. Oregon should beat them badly. Stanford will probably come out there and beat them. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're definitely you're absolutely right. I mean, I can't believe also, I can't believe he's been at um, I can't believe he's been at Stanford that long. He's also the winningest coach. I think the winningest coach in the history of, of Stanford football. Before that, it was Pop Warner. Pop Warner, he is uh, 92 and he's 90, he's won 94 games. Pop Warner's won 71, uh, 71 games. And he has like the, I think the one of the highest winning percentages of any coach in the history of Stanford football. So that being said, Stacey, we have come to the conclusion of this podcast. Folks, the podcast will be available for you guys tomorrow morning, Thursday morning. As always, thank you for your time this time. And until next time, we will see you down the road. Say goodnight, Stacey. Goodnight, Stacey. Make sure you guys register to vote. Early voting is coming up very soon. We'll be talking with, pretty soon we'll be talking with our friend Rach from Atlanta about the upcoming, about the upcoming Georgia elections and among other things. And maybe we will end up finding Cousin Rob. Cousin Rob is, you know, he is still, yeah, we miss Rob. He's doing like, he's on TikTok and everything. So he's on TikTok and all these things. Let me tell you yeah. You gotta send me his LinkedIn because I'm dying. To yeah, see. he's on there. He's on TikTok. I'm also on TikTok talk as well. Sometimes I I post on there. I mainly just go on there just to watch videos, but 
I will tell you this. Also, Stacy, I found some noise canceling headphones. These noise ha- canceling headphones that I have, they're a lifesaver, Stacy. I can't wait to tell you more about it next time we do another Ryan and Stacy show. These noise canceling he- headphones, I can't hear anything that goes on around me. It's like it's like it's like I'm basically walking on air. They're serious. But anyway, folks, we'll see you guys next time on the Ryan and Stacy show.